is going to, uh, they're going to be like, now what happened to get him to the hospital? <laughs> so uh, I was standing in the corner of the hospital trying to keep out of, trying to keep out of view. And um, that's when the pain intensified again. I mean, like somebody upped it a notch and stuck the knife even further into my back. And so now, you know, I was, oh, 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 and everybody turns around and starts looking at me. Oh, and, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to be quiet. I'm like, oh, this is too embarrassing. So I go out the ER doors and I go into the parking lot and I just start pacing back and forth because that's the only thing that will make it better. And I'm like, oh, doing my breathing, pacing back and forth, pacing back and forth. It must have been 20 or 25 minutes. Julie is sitting in the ER just staring at me, waiting for somebody to call my name so that I go to triage. And then, inexplicably, all of a sudden, as I'm in between my my uh, my breathing, my wincing, and my my groans, it goes away. Um, the pain just like suddenly faded away. I'm like, I don't, I'm okay. It's not like stabbing me anymore. And so I went in and said, Julie, uh, the pain went away, and so I'm going to go out on a limb and take a risk and try to avoid an $800 ER charge. And let's go ahead and. Uh, that I would pay after insurance, of course. Mm-hmm. And let's go home and try to sort this out. Well, later I uh, talked to some of my nurse and doctor friends, and they helped me to conclude that I probably passed a kidney stone. This large calcium deposit that had built up and couldn't be broken down, and so it had to pass through my renal system, and it, it had to be this large, I can just imagine it, you know, it, it was probably this big, but it felt like large and spiky. Um, uh, and when I asked one of them, yeah, I mean, like a knife, right? And when, it, when, it, uh, when I asked them, so how do you get a kidney stone? Like, what, what did I do to, to get this? What did I do to bring this on, you know, myself? And they said, well, usually, um, if you don't drink very much water, that doesn't help you. Um, if you don't flush your system with a lot of water, then um, uh, it's easier for you to have the buildup and have kidney stones. And I was like, bingo. Because my water at the time, and for a long time, was uh, Diet Coke. Just, doesn't that just look good? Just looking at it, it's like glimmering up there. It's got the little sweat, sweat beads on it. Um, you know, they, the doctors say drink eight glasses of water a day. Don't judge me. I would drink probably six to eight glasses of Diet Coke a day. So no wonder. Everybody's got their own issues. That was one of mine. <laughs> um, but so as time went by, you know, this was a big motivator, but it, it kind of dovetailed into this health program that I went on where suddenly I had to start drinking 128 ounces of water a day, which is probably somewhere between 12 and 16 of these, which is a big change. I mean, that's a big difference to go from from zero ounces to 128 ounces. Um, One thing that I noticed when I started drinking my water, I certainly didn't have any kidney stones returned. But I, I noticed that um, the headaches that I'd have at the end of the day after work 
just disappeared. And I, I had more energy. And I felt more satisfied. I didn't feel like I had to eat as much because, you know, I had, I had all this water flowing through my system. I also went to, to the bathroom like 15 times a day. <laughs> but it was totally worth it, right? Um, it's like water is important or something. Um, we've got to have it. Humans are... Uh, Humans consist of about 60% of water, I think. I'm not a doctor, so we'll ask the physicians in the room, but I think that's somewhere close. So water is important to us. Um, we have to have it. It's a source of life. And if we don't have it, we get things like kidney stones, or we become dehydrated, or if we become too dehydrated, uh, we can die. Let's look at John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water, and he's referring to physical water, will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Jesus, in this text, offers a different kind of water. We need water for our bodies. When we drink it, we get thirsty again. And that reminds us to drink more. Jesus says there's another kind of water that we need to drink. It's water for our souls. And we, when we drink the, the water that Jesus offers for our souls, our souls are never thirsty. The water Jesus gives becomes the spring, a perpetual source of nourishment that enables us to experience this eternal quality of life. So Jesus is obviously, he's not talking about some literal elixir that he has, that he's offering the Samaritan woman in this text so that she can drink and she'll have eternal life. Uh, this is metaphor, right? He doesn't pull a bottle out of his pocket. So what is he referring to? What is the water that he's talking about here? Fast forward to John. Oh, that's the water. John chapter 7, waste of a slide, verses 37 through 39. Uh, here Jesus says, actually let me read a little bit. On the, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not been glorified. So John explains to us in this commentary that the water that Jesus is talking about was the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, uh, after he was raised to life and ascended to heaven, the, Holy, uh, the Father pours out the Holy Spirit on followers of Jesus, which is recorded at several points in the book of Acts. And since that time, the gift of the Holy Spirit is available uh, to indwell anyone who would put their faith in God and the work that God does on our behalf in Jesus. The Holy Spirit, when we put our trust in God, comes and lives within us and becomes this river of living water that brings us life. So these passages, John 4 and John 7, they show this frequent metaphor in Scripture of water for the Holy Spirit. He's described as water, as rain, as a river, 
as a spring, even as a, as a, like a deluge of sorts, he's poured on to people. And the reason that it's popular um, to, to describe the Holy Spirit as water is the same reason that, that water is significant to us in our physical body. Water brings life. It nourishes us. We can't survive without it. In the same way, the Holy Spirit brings life to our bodies and souls. And so we need the nourishment of the Holy Spirit to survive and to thrive emotionally, relationally, uh, mentally and spiritually. Paul also alludes to the Holy Spirit as water. Did it get deleted? Well, I'm just on the ball with my PowerPoint this time. So Paul in Ephesians five, if you want to turn there, if you've, if you've got, if you want to turn in your iPhone or in your actual Bible, Paul writes in Ephesians five eighteen. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which is basically lots of sin that comes about when you're intoxicated and you lose your mind. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. There's there's so much good stuff um, in this uh, one verse to unpack. So Paul, first of all, contrasts alcohol with the drink of the spirit. Some would say Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit is like wine in this verse. I think that it's more likely, given that this is a contrast rather than a comparison, that Paul is comparing the wine of alcohol that inebriates us and intoxicates us with the living water of the Holy Spirit. Um, Which is a shame because I really would have enjoyed a nice glass of wine. (laughs) Up here tonight. Water is good too. Uh, Paul is saying in in this text... Don't fill yourself with wine. That will leave you thirsty. It'll cause all kinds of trouble. Instead, drink the living water of the Holy Spirit and it will satisfy your soul. So regardless of whether the Holy Spirit here in Paul's text is water or wine, the big message is don't fill yourself with lesser things when you can fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, the greatest drink of all. Here's another thing that's really interesting about this verse. Uh, Paul tells a bunch of believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The recipients of this letter, the the Christians in Ephesus and whatever churches in Asia Minor, this letter would have been circulated to. And so he assumes, as I'm sure they would, too, that they've already been filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul tells the Christians in Corinth, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you're, you're a temple corporately or a temple individually. And they've got all kinds of stuff going on that would that would indicate otherwise. And so I assume if, if Paul if Paul believed that the Holy Spirit lived in the Christians in Corinth, that he'd say exactly the same thing about the Christians in Ephesus. And yet he says in the present tense, essentially continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not past tense. You were filled. It is continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So apparently, after we receive the Holy Spirit, our souls can become spiritually dehydrated, just like our bodies. We have to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul goes on in this 
verse to challenge us in a couple of ways. Uh, first, as we talked about, many of us might be tempted to believe that all we have to do is drink of the Holy Spirit once. You know, we make a confession, we're baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we're good, right? He's this spring welling up to eternal life, right? And so all we have to do is get this spring in us and the water starts to flow. It's kind of like autopilot, right? Well, the trouble is stuff can build up in the spring of our hearts that covers the living water of the Holy Spirit and keeps it from flowing. And so we have to pay constant attention to the stuff in us that is blocking the flow of the living water of the Holy Spirit. Another way of looking at it is that none of us would ever argue that um, all we have to do is drink water once and somehow we're good. You know, as if we'd say, you know, when I was a teenager, I drank my water then and now I'm good. Right? That's ridiculous, right? No, you're not going to make it that way. Or to say, well, this year I drink my water in January for this year. And so that's going to last me throughout the whole year. It doesn't work that way. You're not going to make it. Um, in the same way, we have to continue to drink deeply of the Holy Spirit and to be filled again and again continually with the Holy Spirit. The second way this verse challenges us is that I think um, sometimes, myself included, we have a tendency to drink something other than the living water of the Holy Spirit. Even after we've first been filled with him, we return to booze or wine or Diet Coke, if you prefer. All that stuff leaves us thirsty. It leaves us uh, with kidney stones. It dehydrates us. And eventually it leads to death. And of course that's metaphorical. It's not just, it's not just wine. It's not just alcohol. We, we try to fill ourselves with all different kinds of things. Instead of the Holy Spirit, right? What kinds of things do people drink? Instead of the living water of the Holy Spirit. Not literal drink, but metaphorically. What kind, of, what kind of things do people drink instead of the living water of the Holy Spirit? Success. Yeah. Absolutely. Ambition, accolades, that uh, accomplishment, being recognized, that makes us feel full somehow. People think that we're something. Who else? Knowledge. Various addictions. Various addictions, like what? Um, like addicted to Facebook or. That, that can actually be an addiction. <laughs> yeah. Or, I don't know, like internet porn. Absolutely. Yeah, anything that we would turn to to try to fill us up, meet a need, cope with our problems instead of turning to God to fill us through the Spirit. Somebody else is going to say something. Knowledge. Knowledge. Tell me about that. Dig into that. Well, just is it by learning more and knowing enough, maybe we can figure things out and, and, and take control of our lives and find our grand purpose and do what it is we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. We just knew more. That's right. Yeah, I think, I think what Paul is saying here is that God does not want smarter Christians. God wants deeper Christians. He wants us 
to go deeper with him. And that's not a, it's not something that has nothing to do with our minds, but uh, it's a different posture than going after just being smart or having a lot of knowledge. Yeah. Take a minute and reflect for yourself. You don't have to say this part out loud. Um, spend some time in the silence. What do you drink instead of the living water of the Holy Spirit? So, how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? It sounds like a nice idea. Right now, it's kind of up here in the clouds. What, what do you do to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How do we go about doing that? Um, if we take Paul's point to heart, I think we need to start by asking the Holy Spirit to help us stop wanting to drink other drinks besides the Holy Spirit. Um, by His grace and power... I think the Holy Spirit can help us to stop filling ourselves with the junk because it's hard to get filled up with the with the, the, the water of the spirit or any kind of water when we're full of Diet Coke or when we're full of wine or when we're full of addiction or when we're, we're full of a, attachment to to media or to television. I love to drink television. God help me. Um, why don't we just take a minute with the Holy Spirit and do exactly that? If you're ready, tell him you don't want to drink other stuff that doesn't fill you up. Um, and if you do want to drink other stuff still, be honest. That's okay. You can say that to God. God's big enough to take that. You might want to tell God, um, I want to want to drink from your Holy Spirit and to be filled with you. I'm not there yet, but I want to want that. Take a moment and just lift up that thing. Or those things that you drink instead of the living water of the Holy Spirit. And ask for God to, uh, to shape the desires of your heart to want His water instead of those drinks. Okay, so step one is turning away from other drinks besides the living water of the Holy Spirit. Step two would be just asking the Holy Spirit to cleanse us with his living water of the toxins that are caused by those drinks. We can simply ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. It's really not that much, it's not that much more complicated um, than that. The way to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit is just to ask him. To fill us and to sit with God or walk with God and wait to receive it. In Acts 4, the early church is praying to God. They're asking for boldness. They're asking for help. They're asking for protection against 
the powers. They're asking for boldness to speak out even if they're harmed. And the story says that the room that they're in was shaken like an earthquake. And they were all filled with the Spirit. And what happens after they're filled with the Spirit is that they go out in boldness and they preach the good news of the kingdom of God. So they just asked, they prayed, they communed with God, and they waited there together and God filled them with the Holy Spirit. I've been reading this book by a man named Paul Yonggi Cho. He is quite the charismatic fellow. Um, makes me nervous sometimes. But um, he has some really good stuff. In this book, um, The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner, uh, he, he says, every morning when I wake up, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Would you use me as your vessel today? And when I go to bed at night, I say, good evening, Holy Spirit. It's been a wonderful day and it's been a great thing to work with you today. And I was inspired as I kind of read his story about he how he seeked to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that I started to do this simple book in prayer. Every day. And what happened is I started to see unexpected things that happened in my day as the possibility that the Holy Spirit, my senior partner, might want me to take a detour. And some awesome things would happen when I would be open enough to take that detour. I started to go into meetings and sit across from people and ask, um, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in this meeting? And can you help me and give me words that I don't have in this meeting? It started to really uh, it started to change my perspective. And in some sense, I have I have seen and sensed God fill me with this Holy Spirit through that very simple exercise of just asking the Holy Spirit at the front end of the day. Can we work together? Will you use me as your vessel? Will you pour your living water into my cup? And at the end of the day saying, man, it's been good to work with you and to think back on man, that wouldn't have happened. And I wouldn't have gone into that meeting that way if I hadn't have had that frame of mind. Which raises a really good question. How do you know that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? How do you know? How could you tell? Um, the shortest answer, and people who like clarity are really going to love this. The answer is any number of ways. <laughs> Yeah, in that Acts 4 story, they knew they were filled with the Holy Spirit because there was a physical disturbance. And then they, they were filled with great boldness to share the good news of the kingdom. Other places in Acts, when the Holy Spirit's poured out, they begin to speak in different languages they didn't previously know. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, sometimes people speak in language, a language of angels when filled with the Holy Spirit. He says others can understand and translate those languages when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. I've never had this kind of thing happen to me, honestly, but I've had some very close friends that I love and respect and trust, and they're not crazy. They've had these kind of experiences with the Holy Spirit. It's hard for me to dismiss that. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit fills some people so much that they're able to help other people. They're able to teach with great wisdom or offer words from God or serve and help others or start new churches. The Holy Spirit fills people with gifts to build up the body. In Galatians 5, Paul says that one way to know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit is if your life is overflowing with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and restraint. It's a misnomer to say that it's self-control. It's spirit control. It is 
evidence, when the character of Jesus comes out in us and we're more loving, that's evidence that we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5, this passage about don't get drunk on wine, be filled with the Spirit. Paul says the effect of being filled with the Spirit is that we encourage each other with music, with songs, and we have hearts full of gratitude to God. I think music is also a very powerful way that we open ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. Some people experience warmth or coolness in their hands or their body when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Other times, like in the Gospels, when Jesus casts out demon by the Holy Spirit, people's bodies convulse and shake as if they're sticking their finger in a power outlet or something. They're coming into contact with the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's a deep sense of peace or awe or wonderment that comes over us when we're filled with the Spirit, the kind that transcends Understanding, like Paul says in Philippians. So, we can know we're filled with the Spirit in any number of ways. It's also possible that we can be filled with this, the experience and have none of those manifestations. Or even no manifestations of being filled with the Holy Spirit at all, immediately. Um, I think we get into trouble, and lots of different Christian groups get into trouble when they say that to be filled with this, the Spirit is to have this exact manifestation. So you're not filled with the Spirit unless you speak a different language you didn't know before. Or unless, fill in the blank. Or unless, fill in the blank. Because the Holy Spirit can fill us in any number of ways. Um, And and truthfully, it's really not up to us. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that the Spirit enables people as He determines not as we determine. So we don't get to get to pick how the Holy Spirit manifests himself. We can ask him, we can pray, we can seek, we can open our hands and see what happens. Um, I have a vivid memory from college and it's actually quite mundane. I remember walking across the street from Allen Dorm to Armstrong on Harding University's campus. And I don't remember what that street is, um, but I... It's so mundane and, and ridiculous that I remember this, but I, this memory that I have standing in the middle of the street um, on a normal mundane day is that I was filled with unspeakable joy. I mean, it's one of those moments where everything was right for me. Like, uh, I, my, my relationship with God was clicking. I was fulfilled in my relationships with other people. My, my, my brokenness and my addictions were at bay. And I, I felt connected to God. And I just, I was so deeply and wonderfully happy. I was like on cloud nine. And looking back on that, I don't know why I remember. I mean, it's just a random moment. I remember what I was wearing. It's the strangest thing in the middle of the street just thinking. I mean, it's a beautiful day out. It was just like, this is living. This is life right now in Searcy, Arkansas. (laughs) After this study, I have new language for what I was experiencing that day. What I think I was experiencing was being filled with the Holy Spirit. That the joy that I was experiencing, the happiness, came from the living waters of God that were welling up within me from the Holy Spirit. Um, And it's amazing the way that 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 mundane moment was kind of made, God broke into it and made it eternal and wonderful. 
Uh, maybe we should have asked this question earlier, but what's the point? Why are we filled with the Holy Spirit? I guess it's better late than never. The purpose of the Spirit's filling, there seems to be at least three purposes. Number one, to draw us closer to God in communion with Him. It makes sense. The closer we get to God, the more of God wells up in us, right? Number two is to form us in the character and the competency of Jesus. So as the Spirit fills us, we become more and more like Jesus. And number three, and you might guys want to pick up your purses there. Number three is to overflow out of us into the lives of others. Yes. It's just water. So the filling of the Holy Spirit is not just for us. It's not just for our cup. The filling of the Holy Spirit is to to overflow and pour out of us into the lives of other people for their blessing. Because this water is not just life for us. It's life for everybody else who gets to drink it. And imagine that you are a conduit of the living water of the Holy Spirit. So that concludes our gathering. I'm just kidding. What we have to do now, <laughs> what we have to do now is ask God together, fill us with your Holy Spirit and just see what happens. Maybe nothing happens. Maybe, maybe something, something of the, the kinds of things that I mentioned here happens. But I guess that's up to God. Uh, if you're open and willing, I mean, after what we've discovered together, who wouldn't want to be filled with the living waters of the Holy Spirit? So open your heart, open your minds. Josh is going to facilitate a time for us to ask God to give us the living water of this Holy Spirit.